bringing in that adult learning piece really helps elevate the literacy level of the whole home and really puts parents in a better position for supporting their children's learning. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. Welcome to today's episode. Uh, we are going to have a super fun conversation talking about an incredible app actually that's out there in the world, desperately needed. And so we're going to have a fun conversation, learning more about World Readers Book Smart app. And World Readers app and website is a digital library available on cell phones and tablets. And it's a key part of World Readers Keep Children Reading U.S. Programming and provides access to books in English and Spanish to families who otherwise struggle to access books and reading in a meaningful way. And joining us for that conversation is the director of U.S. Programs, Kristen Walter. So Kristen, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You know, I was super excited actually about this conversation because we have recently um, been involved or about the last 18 months or so, um, really thinking a lot about literacy and access to high quality reading programs. And we've, we've, we've found uh, some wonderful resources and partners out there, but I love the fact that this work is multilingual. And so I'm, I, I want to start this conversation, Kristen, today with, you know, know, share us a little bit sort of about uh, the work of world readers first and foremost, and then why on earth this book smart app? Sure. And we actually just also launched on laptops. So that's been a really big Perfect. game changer yeah. with platforms just to make it again, that step of accessibility. Um, but our, you know, our mission is that we, and our vision is just really that we believe that readers do build a better world mm-hmm. and we can work through partners and support vulnerable and underserved communities with this digital reading component. Um, but one of the reasons, you know, the bilingualism, which is one of my favorite parts mm-hmm. of this, we think about equity and access, and I'm so yeah. glad that you started with that. Um, we know that many of our children in U.S. school, in the school system, but also just many of the children in this country, um, English is not their first language. Uh, right now in our application, we have books that are in Spanish as well as in English, mm-hmm. um, just because you know most of the children who are bilingual in the United States in schools are Spanish speaking. And so- right. When we first launched, um, we were in English only, but very quickly pivoted when we Mm -hmm. saw the need that most of those in the communities that we served, our readers and our families were Spanish speaking. Um, But just really because of wanting to provide equity and access, knowing that stories can Mm -hmm. um, help parents facilitate conversations, can help parents become collaborators in their child's education if they can access the content in their home language. Right. Absolutely. It's so desperately needed and it's meaningful and it does in fact make a difference. So um, our listeners come from all over the world. So give us just a little bit of context, if you would, um, about um, World world Reader. So the, the company a, a itself, right, sort of set the stage for us and then to help us, you know, better understand then sort of the journey or the mission, if it will, of this sort of bigger umbrella organization. 
Sure, absolutely. So World Reader began about 12 years ago um, in the global south. So in uh, West Africa and East Africa, mm-hmm. just no- noticing that there was a need for books that our, our co-founders were in communities and um, seeing, you know, in schools or in other places where you might find buying literacy tools that it would be like the history of Utah would be donated, you right, know, right. just not books that people yeah. really wanted to spend time in reading. Although I'm sure that's a fascinating way for some, um, <laughs> but just noticing that there is a need and we have, you know, technology is such a, a great tool to mm-hmm. use. Um, and so why not use it for the greater good of literacy? And so um, 12 years ago, we did, we began and in, in providing book access to communities where you could read um, on a very contained tablet. Mm-hmm. We've evolved to being in East Africa, West Africa. We have a, a location in India. We have a location in Peru. Um, but really thinking through beyond just having now to provide a device, what if we provided a library on a device that people already have in their homes and right. have access right. to um, and when we launched in the United States last year, um, it was in response to COVID, but also in response to realizing that we also have book mm-hmm. deserts in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and no question. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely book deserts. Yeah. And a lot of times they're connected to people's access to broadband. Right. Um, you know, if you're in a very rural or, or even urban mm-hmm. location, um, you may not have reliable access to the internet. And if that's how you're getting your information, we've suddenly cut you off from the information that everybody in the country is accessing. Right. Um, and so when we first launched last year, it was mainly on cell phones because that was the, right. the device that parents had access yeah. to. Um, we make the app so that, you know, you can download books for offline reading. They're optimized for low data usage. Okay. Um, and the books themselves, you know, it's over 400 titles that anybody can access at, you know, at bebooksmart.org. But World Reader just really felt like not only do we want access, but we want to enable parents to be engaged in their children's learning. And so let's also provide some activities very specific to uh, a weekly book that we push yeah. out so that you know parents can have in-depth conversations with their children to improve their reading skills or to touch on social emotional learning or even to do something play-based outside of the book, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. then, then is you know developing a child's mm-hmm. oral literacy because you're talking about something that happened in the book while you're playing a game or you're right. cooking together. Right. Um, but that's kind of the evolution of going from um, looking at book deserts outside of the country to suddenly looking at book deserts in the country, as well as enabling parents to to really, you know, have an experience with their children around literacy. Yeah, that's absolutely fabulous. And I'm I'm actually super, super curious about two two things. So the mm-hmm. first one, and I love everything about this concept that's so needed. I can't wait to uh, you know, to be an advocate um, for for this program. But my first question for you is, you know, it's not it's not the same reading a digital book as it is a physical book. And I mean, was, there, there's a real difference. And so I, I'm really, really curious about the difference between the physical book, um, not from the access standpoint, but the skills the students and the parents in some cases need to acquire, right, to be successful in that format. And and since you've been doing this for a number of years and you've explored this in a variety of, of places around the world, I have no doubt that this sort of, this, this issue of this recognition has come up. And I'm super, super curious about the conversations and the decision-making and understanding about how consuming information in that format is actually a different way of learning and, and what you're thinking about that. 
Right. I am so glad you asked that question because I would say that consumes about 95% of my day. Thinking through um, what are, because I think it, it, it not only starts with parents, but really program leaders. Mm-hmm. Digital mm-hmm. reading is different. Yeah. Um, I will say our, one thing that I really love about our books is we don't detract from the reading experience. It's not games or not pop-ups. That right. Come right. It's not detracting from the comprehension component that a mm-hmm. child might have from spinning or a family might have from spinning um, an extended length of time in the text. But um, we work in a couple of ways. So we world reader works with partners um, mm-hmm. to come alongside who may have an in-person component that is hard, you know, hard copy print books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can only have so many print books. Right. Mm-hmm. You can only carry around so many print mm-hmm. books. And, and it's not and sustainable in many ways, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, and especially with you know so many shutdowns and people right. not being able right. to deliver in-person services, we really had to rethink that model mm-hmm. of in-person delivery. Mm-hmm. And digital um, books have been a really great way to do that. Being able to share them on the laptop by via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if I'm a home visitor, uh, a program leader, I can share my screen right. model to the parent how to read this digital book, yeah. the types of questions to ask. Um, but now I'm putting, you know, 400 books in a person's home where they have lots of choice yeah. and they have linguistic choice versus the amount of books I can carry. I mean, a lot of our mobile you know, transient communities, mm-hmm. children and families don't get to carry a lot of belongings. Correct. Correct. Um, you know, even if you have, we work on feature phones. So even if you have a very low model cell phone, you can still access this reading in the book. So it's something that you can take with you. Um, but, you know, kind of the difference is uh, it's, it's there. And I think about how many apps I have on my phone that I yeah. downloaded, I was really fired up about, and then yeah. I didn't use after, right. you know, two yeah. weeks, just yeah. kind of fell off. Me too. Um, I'm totally guilty of that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think the, pro- the, I wouldn't say if it's probably, I, I think it's very much an opportunity mm-hmm. is if we're working through a partner, we work very diligently to um, help ensure that that partner themselves has has strong digital literacy skills. A lot of our partners may be at a different starting point. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to really begin where people are, not where you want them to be or where you think they are. Correct. Um, it's the same thing with digital reading. It's how do we enable and empower um, our program leaders who are on the ground and who have very close relationships with families to be able to support a digital reading um, program. And so we do that by, you know, having a session on here's how you share your screen via Zoom. You know, something that may seem like it's not an automatic, but it's not. Right. Um, here's how you model silly conversations with kids. Yeah. But then also, here's how you talk to parents about replacement behaviors. If, mm-hmm. you know, we know that parents are doing something with their children on a phone, whether it's a video, a game. But now let's talk about how can we replace five minutes of video watching with a very, you know, pick up a book and, and read it very quickly. Right. And it doesn't have to be when you're sitting in your house. It can be when you're sitting in the drive-thru and you're, you know, three cars behind the pavement yeah. line. Yeah. It can be when you're waiting for another child. It can be at the bus stop. That's, uh, you know, one place mm-hmm. we really messaged a lot around is, you know, while you're sitting at the bus stop with your child, um, scan this QR code, read a book right here. Mm-hmm. But it's really um, that you can read anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. if you have five minutes of reading sprinkled throughout you know, your day four times, that's 20 minutes a day. Right. Um, if you do that all year, suddenly you're hitting, you know, over a million words that you're exposing your child to. Um, so it's, I think it's a great opportunity to, mm-hmm. to really turn how we think about reading on its side and, you know, think about, it's not something that you are doing extra in your day. It's not right. something we're asking parents who've worked two and three jobs to now sit down for 20 minutes and read. It's let's look at the whole day and where can we sprinkle, you know, these reading experiences in, because now you have it on your phone or, you know, your laptop or your tablet, but 
most likely on um, burlap. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And that's a great transition because my second question uh, tied tied to to those components was really about the parents because that's one of the things, for example, at PASS that we see all the time and the programming that we design and develop and the partnerships and the communities that we go into is that oftentimes the learning opportunity, um, there's a desperate need and desire in most cases, right, that the families, the parents, the adults, in the environment, however that becomes defined, are as hungry for the opportunity to learn as as they are on behalf of or for their children. And so I think it's fascinating that part of the way you've structured this is that sort of co-learning and experienced environment. And I would assume that, and you, you, you made uh, mention to some of this, but there has to be along the way a lot of opportunity for the parents, A, to learn how to, as you pointed out earlier, you know, how to sit down and when to and and what to consume, how to ask the questions with your kiddos. But I'm super curious about sort of the experience and whether or not there's data or monitoring or what you know from the standpoint of this opportunity for parents to learn alongside their students. In particular, families that you mentioned, there's a lot of transient um, components around the world. We certainly see it in our big urban cities. Um, And oftentimes you have parents with very low um, education, reading comprehension, and this could potentially become a mechanism to upskill yourself along with your child. So I'm curious about what or how you're thinking about that opportunity as an organization. We think about that quite a lot. Again, another one of my favorite questions. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, one of the things we do, a lot of the parents Mm -hmm. that we work with, we realize have low access to literacy skills themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're putting really text-heavy content in a parent's hand, we're not meeting them where they are. Correct. Um, You know, we're not... We're not doing anything to enhance the and, and they won't read with their child because they can't read with their child. And I think sometimes we forget. So I'm really loving this piece of the yes, puzzle that you're absolutely. trying to solve. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, not only is a society, it's a piece that we need to solve mm-hmm. because we know that literacy evolves into civic literacy. And, you know, that's really a component that we absolutely. need. Absolutely. But as a school community as well, we know that children who have parents who are involved, um, who have, you know, who engage in family engagement, that's a bigger indicator mm-hmm. of success for children than even if your school has free and reduced lunch. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. If you're, you know, if there is an engagement component, but how do we engage families if they do have low access to skills themselves right. in to literacy development? You know, are we giving them a choice that you might have, you know, and this is just my educator hat. Are right, we giving right. On, are you you know, able to listen to a recording? Um, we're kind of moving into some of our parent support tools. We're starting them as videos. Right. You know, here's a video of how to use the app. Okay. Um, you know, are we giving them in the language? You know, giving them an opportunity to engage with their child and learning in the language that they can access. You know, with the Spanish component. Mm-hmm. That's very helpful, but you know, not everybody that's a second language, you know, speaker or learner in the United States, that's you may not be their language. So, are we providing like we have a large collection of pictureless books or mm-hmm. wordless books, pictures, the mm-hmm. wordless? Books. Yeah, yeah. How do you help parents navigate the fact that you can build oral literacy skills um, and prime the child up for you know a deeper development of uh, written and 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 
uh, read literacy skills uh, by you know talking about the sequence of a story, talking about what you see, mm-hmm. what, trying to anticipate what's going to happen. So um, again, I think meeting parents where they are. We are launching in the summer um, something we're incredibly excited about is a family reading bookshelf, so that one that's of wonderful. the bookshelves will have two children's books and then an, an adult, essentially an adult book that's high low content, so very engaging and mm-hmm. adult appropriate, but at a lower literacy level, so that now the parent can read a book, um, have a conversation with their child because all three of those books will be around the same theme. Okay. All three books will have those family engagement prompts where, you know, we're asking a, a family to do something very short, very few characters, very picture-based, mm-hmm. you know, that might be what's one thing you found funny or what do you mm-hmm. think that, you know, what do you think this picture would smell like if you were staying there yeah. or, or draw, you know, write three sentences or, you know, draw a picture and then narrate it or, you know, just very specific things to do around the book, but bringing in that adult learning piece really helps elevate the literacy level of the whole home mm-hmm. and really puts parents in a better position for supporting their children's learning. Yeah, no, that is absolutely fabulous. I'm also curious about what 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 is the mechanism for, you know, back to recognizing that we have a fair number of adults with low literacy skills. And so, but you know, let's let's say that family gets access to this program and we'll talk about the access piece of it in a minute. But I am really really curious, you know, how and where do you or what have you seen in terms of that sort of fear factor? Because a, a lot of parents are afraid, right? They're afraid to try something that is so new to them. Um, and and whether English is their first language or, or it's not, there's a lot of stigma um, from mm-hmm. a social and emotional standpoint tied to um, being illiterate. And, and oftentimes it's really, really difficult to get those families to take that very first step. So, you know, what, what, what is the mechanism to get people to be brave enough to step out there and sort of go with that effort? I think that, um, you know, always having, I think it's relational. Yeah. You know, when I was a teacher and, you know, worked in a school, in a very rural school, um, a lot of the parents that I worked with did not have a great school experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really had to think outside of the box to make school a safe place to come in, you know, right. whether it's right. because of lower, you know, access to, to education skills mm-hmm. or because you, you know, may have not conformed to the school system the way mm-hmm. it was set up. Um, and I think it's the same thing when we're thinking about a digital component. How are we presenting it in a way we've always presented it that, you know, some people have access and some people, you know, don't. And, right. you know, that's that. And I think, no, we can't. That we really have to um, work through, especially with hesitant parents, mm-hmm. work through very close ties in the community. And that's one thing we really strive to do is making partnerships with um community leaders and trusted leaders, whether that's someone in a church, you know, in a community Mm -hmm. that's very church focused or whether that's, you know, at a a store, a bookstore, or, you know, just that relationship, I think is where it has to begin. And, and having someone that a parent can trust present the resource, which is one of the reasons we work so hard with our partners to, to develop our program leaders is because that's really the entry point for a lot of parents. And if it's a trusted resource saying, you can try this, um, I will say we don't require registration. So we right. take the barrier out because mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's like, this is a very complicated process. It's right. not right. Two, right. Clicks, you know, two clicks, you're in yeah. the book. Um, the idea that 
you know, you, you can do this on your own without somebody watching. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, if we're working through a partner that is home visiting, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's not reading sign activity that has to be very reverent and set aside. Right. right. It's really, you know, you're, if you're cooking with your child, right. you're reading, you know, ask them mm-hmm. to find everything in the closet that starts with G, yeah. you know, ask the parent how many things in the, in the cabinet start with G green beans, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. But really with adult, you know, with the adult learner, essentially um, building on what they bring to the table, you know, really looking at those funds of knowledge and adding that digital component to that. And that, that digital skill of, of reading on your phone, um, a device that, you know, you get a lot of joy out of sometimes, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if it's your, also your window to the world and, and other friends, you know, through your social media apps. Um, I think that's another fund of knowledge that we have to build off of when we're working with hesitant parents is, uh, yeah. you know, what's the joy point to reading? And then, you know, you look at how much reading you do th- throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, you know? and absolutely. And, and really, you know, had that excitement, that joy of, you read this post, you did this, this, that now let's, you know, how can you transfer that kind of activity to what you're doing with your child? Right. It's it's looking for those natural connection points. Yeah. And getting folks to swap out that time in a meaningful way. Right. And that that's a bit of a lift, but definitely one that, you know, collectively working on. So let's talk about the access piece. So how do parents, you've mentioned working with community partners and I'm assuming that you've got partnerships that, that actually take this program into schools. So my, my big question is how do parents know and how do communities who, who want this, you know, they've, they've, they've heard about it or, you know, a, a lot of our audience is obviously teachers in schools um, for this program. So they're hearing us talk about there's like, Oh my gosh, I need this. My parents need to know about this. How do most parents and families, schools, or even teachers, you know, get access to this and then deploy it broadly with, with fidelity and great success? Absolutely. Um, and it's, I'm going to say it, it's going to sound so simple, but this is just really, it's very true. Yeah. <laughs> it's through a URL. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an open book collection that's, you know, through bbooksmart, bebooksmart.org. Mm-hmm. Anybody can access the books. Um, the weekly books are pushed out every, you know, every Monday it changes that set of weekly books to help parents focus. But then there are also multiple bookshelves so that they can look through different subjects that may mm-hmm. speak to them. Um, but if it's a school, you know, a lot of times we'll work directly with a school or we'll work through a community mm-hmm. partner who will give access to that URL. We know that continuous engagement piece is what drives digital reading engagement. Right, right. So, you know, if we know someone's working with us, we have a monthly resource guide that we send out every every week that for schools, you know, we, we tie in the common core mm-hmm. reading standards to those activities that you yeah. would see in the week books. We talk about graphic organizers or way to, mm-hmm. ways to extend the use of a book in the classroom. Um, but for, for partners who are engaging with parents, whether they're teachers or a community social mm-hmm. service partner, we also provide text scripts. If you're communicating by text, if you're communicating right, by, right. you just cut and paste it, um, stick it in your monthly communications. It always has the link. We're always thinking about, again, continuous engagement, yeah. mm-hmm. constantly driving parents back to that link. Um, you know, we, I just did a, an EdWeb webinar actually, mm-hmm. um, which is very far and wide with, with teachers who, you know, I looked, I love, I'm a data person. I looked on the back end, you know, there's spikes in data on the use. Yeah. Um, I think specific calls to action. If mm-hmm. I'm a program leader, um, for parents is very helpful. If mm-hmm. I just say, here's be book smart, go read. Yeah. I get very little traction, right. but if right. I say, right. But if I say, read the book, Sammy shares and ask your child to write with their senses on what the bar looks like, smells like, 
you know, how with the conversation Sammy and the bunny had, Gabby had together. Um, that's a very specific task that now I'm sending the link to the book. You know, I've got a visual picture that goes with the book. Also, when all the parents do is click, comes right up on their phone, they're reading, and I've given them something to do about it. Um, so that's, you know, drilling into those very specific actions that we know get results and then helping um, helping program leaders, whether they're teachers or family engagement coordinators, um, know that that, you know, that's the communication that's going to drive that engagement for families. Yeah, that's absolutely fabulous. I love that you also mentioned that you like data because that was my sort of next big question is how do you know this works? I mean, every every teacher, every school that's contemplating bringing in programming, there's resources, especially in the sort of quasi post-pandemic. I'm not even sure how we're supposed to refer to this moment that we're in at the, uh, right now. Um, uh, sort, of, sort of world that we're living in or trying to make decisions about what do they push out? What do they advocate for? And so, um, you know, on your side of, you know, sort of behind the curtain aspect, how do you know from a data standpoint that you are having the impact, the engagement and the outcomes that you're looking for? How are you measuring success. Right. Well, and so, you know, I love that we've talked on access books, continuous engagement and data, our ABC model. Um, (laughs) So with the data, uh, we look at it a couple of ways with the open collection. um, Anybody can access the books. Uh, I just look at the general open collection data. I look at how many minutes are being read, how many people access the application each day. Are people coming back? You know, what types of books are being read? Is it the books that we picked as a weekly book? If it's not, you know, why not? Let's drill into the content. Um, how many activities are being completed? So just, you know, as a generic, as a, as a U.S. program director, I look at the U.S. data like that level. Um, If I'm working with a partner who wants a very deep partnership and wants to have that data piece and wants to have, you know, the app look like it comes from their Mm -hmm. organization or their Mm -hmm. school, uh, I I meet with them every month or or our program manager meets with them every month. Um, And it's, it's very much like a coaching model where we set a goal. We use the data. We look at what our baseline is. We, you know, talk about some benchmarking, mm-hmm. but you know, if we are asking them to push out a specific book, we go and look and see if that book was read. If you know that increased their number of minutes, if there's something they did in the classroom and then had children, you know, do that at home, did that spark engagement, deeper engagement. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, if we find a strategy, let's, you know, not hold yeah. it as a Let's spread that far and wide, um, but we use the data to do that. If I notice a program has five readers, but they are reading 90 minutes a day, mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of questions about that. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of times that tells me that they're using the application as a center you know, yeah. in their literacy block. Mm-hmm. And so each child is reading the same story, you know, and it, right. you know, the application is open for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, and then that provides me the opportunity to say, and what was the home component right. of children doing this, you know, in the classroom? Right, right. So, you know, it, the thing I love about data is that it gives us better questions to ask mm-hmm. as we move, you know, as we go to the next stage. And so it's really sitting with our partners and, and looking at, you know, is this happening like you thought it was? Mm-hmm. You know, the thing about digital books is there's no hiding from the data. Right, right. You know, yeah. There's no assumptions. There's no, you know, I, you know, of course they're reading these books. Well, mm-hmm. how do you know? Because I'm looking at the data. Yeah. No, yeah. It's either yes, they are or no, they are not. Um, and so really being honest about the data. I think data conversations can be hard, mm-hmm. um, but I but I think it's the way you set it up. And we yeah. always set it up as we're just looking to see what's happening. So we yeah. can always, you know, be in the state of improvement. Um, yeah. there's you know, no reason to be ashamed of your data, to be embarrassed about the data. Yeah. 
it's a really great diagnostic tool. It is a great tool, but I think a lot of people are intimidated by data, right? We because it's not something that we've we've spent the last, you know, 50 or 75 years in our educational system teaching people mm-hmm. to value and to understand how to use. So so I understand sort of sort of the that sort of internal struggle that you would have. I always like to close the program, you know, thinking about the listener who's just had this experience and the questions that they have or, you know, how they're going to take what they just heard and and apply it into their own community. Communities. And one of the things that I would imagine from this conversation that folks are wondering is, so currently, at least in the U.S., and please clarify if I have this assumption incorrect, um, you know, the, the, the opportunities are in English and in Spanish. And so is it the same opportunities or so, for example, is every book in both language that you're making available or are they different books because books are naturally being produced in one language versus the other? So I think that folks would be wondering that. Sure. So um, that's a really great question, actually. And we have a couple of uh, options with it. So the books, a lot of our weekly books are mirrored. So it's the same title Mm -hmm. in Spanish and in English. Um, If they're not mirrored in that weekly bookshelf, Mm -hmm. then they're around the same theme. So I might have one book that's in Spanish, but a book that's similar Mm -hmm. in in English. Okay. Um, some of our books are just in Spanish mm-hmm. that are outside of that weekly, you know, mm-hmm. at the top shelf, there'll be a weekly book. And then there might be a book of, you know, continue reading popular new yeah. books, story books, that kind of thing. You can just keep scrolling through multiple categories. Um, some of those stories are only in, in English or only in Spanish. Okay. Um, we have a few books in Arabic on the, on the application as well, just mm-hmm. because we're a global organization. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of our books come from Africa and India. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we feel it's it's important to have that global aspect mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. us unique um, and provides a unique experience. And so reading stories from Africa in Spanish mm-hmm. or reading stories from India in Spanish has been a really cool experience mm-hmm. for children. Um, some of our Latin American books come from Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it just depends on the book, our relationship with the publisher. Sure. If we can it, um, we have several books from Highlights, which we've mm-hmm. translated, which are, yeah. are mirrored. Um, we have really, you know, it's a great collection, great organization, and we're very excited to have those books there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so some of them are mirrored, some of them are not mirrored. Um, but again, looking at that, what what kind of equitable experience yeah. are we providing for families? Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Um, so my last question as we wrap up then back to sort of language issues is just sort of thinking about what what's what's next mm-hmm. as it relates to either, you know, different languages that you're adding in or 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 different programming or opportunity that you're thinking about as an organization. I always like to to sort of finish up with well, what's next for you? Right. That's a really great question. So uh, you know, because we have the data piece, because we have the mm-hmm. content- engagement piece, we are constantly examining what are the barriers to reading for families. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say that what's next is digging down into some of those things that we have found are are, Mm -hmm. are barriers and digital literacy skills. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a a barrier sometimes more so for the adult than it is for the child. So how do we bring, how do we educate and bring people along and bring those digital literacy skills up for people? Um, that's, you know, something we're looking at the adult, you know, reading component combined with the child component to raise the literacy level, uh, for the whole family is something that we're, you know, diving into a social emotional learning where you have a new collection coming out based on a, a book called my special word, um, mm-hmm. out of an organization in Ohio that we've part- partnered with. Um, we're launching that program at the end of the summer, um, where we'll have a bookshelf and um, the whole month of September will be social emotional learning books 
where kids can really think, and we help parents, you know, do this as well. But what's my well, what's my special word? How yeah. do I honor that word through thick and thin? Mm-hmm. Um, but really thinking through very specific um, collections and how those drive reading engagement. Because again, if I just say, you know, let's read, I don't get a lot of right. But if I say we're going to focus on social emotional learning, here's a book to read to support mm-hmm. that. Or we're going to focus on family learning. Um, we're going to focus on bilingualism. Here's a book to do that, or here's a program leader, here's why that's important. Um, so really looking at what are the tools that we can use to drive drive engagement? You know, what have we found that's a barrier to learning? How can we as, you know, empower our program leaders to overcome those barriers and our, our parents as well? And then how can we drive into really some special um, opportunities to drive reading engagement? Yeah, that's absolutely fabulous. Um, you know, Kristen, thank you so much um, for taking time today to have a conversation. But more importantly, thank you so much for the work that you and and World Reader does because it's super important and what an amazing asset and resource um, for our global community. So thank you so much. Thank you. I, it, you know, it's a pleasure to be here. Again, I love talking about this application yeah. and programming. I think it's so important. And I, you know, I think again, like let's look outside the box mm-hmm. at how we're distributing reading and and driving reading engagement with our families. And um, I think you know, having a digital tool helps do that. So absolutely. thank you. Oh, absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.